0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Awesome, so good. I love it. Uh, The book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Great examples of faith, the hall of fame of faith, this list of people that lived by faith. And in verse 8, it says this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go into a land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Have you ever done that? Where are you going? I don't know. I'm not staying here. He went without knowing where he was. Was going, And even when he reached the land, God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac, and so did Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with what? With eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And a whole nation came from one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. All of these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance, and they welcomed it. One more, Genesis chapter 15. God's given Abraham this promise. Abraham's looking around, supposed to have all of these kids, and there's no kids in the house. The crib is empty. And to which at this point, it says this. Genesis 15, verse five, and then the Lord took Abraham outside. Sometimes you just gotta go outside. And he said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. I wanna tell you a story this morning Uh, A certain gentleman, he was born in the year 1874 and died in the year 1917, only 43 years old when he passed away. In his 43 years, he wrote three different books, relatively unknown to most people. He was a gifted artist and a gifted musician. Although we've never seen his art, we've never heard his music Uh, He had the dream of opening a school, and in school, he actually changed courses from music and art to theology, which he never intended to do. So he's in school, and he has this dream of opening a school, and he meets this woman named Gertrude. It's the 1800s, (laughs) y'all. Gertrude was cool back then, right? Gertrude Hobbs, possibly related to the Hobbs family. I don't know. Gertrude Hobbes, but apparently he could not call her by this name, so he chose a name for her, and the name that he chose for her was Beloved Disciple, Beloved Disciple, which is awesome, but just kind of weird. So it actually got shortened from Beloved Disci- Disciple down to just the initials B.D., which after saying it so many times, B.D. turned into Biddy, and from that point forward, everyone knew her as Biddy. Now in the year 1911, they opened up the dream that they had of this Bible training college, the BTC. They needed to work on their branding. BTC school. Like, okay, sounds like they're driving trucks. Anyway, they had 25 students and it lasted for three years. And so for three years, this gentleman would teach as Biddy would sit down uh, as he was teaching and take notes after notes after notes, typing away. And then in the year 1914, World War I broke out and the school shut down. Their dreams crushed. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in this uh, camp in Egypt. And at this camp in Egypt, Part of his job was to help and volunteer with some of the men that were working with the YMCA, and then he would go and he would have to plant these uh, rock-lined flower beds along all of the walkways inside of this camp, and to which some of the soldiers would come up to him, and they would mock him and say, "'What are you doing planting these flowers in the desert?' and to which it's kind of famously known that he would always reply, well, whatever you're given to do, do it with all your heart. Well, this took note to some of the soldiers' attention. They began to have conversations, and he began to teach some of these soldiers the same things that he was teaching uh, when he had his college open. And there was Biddy again, taking notes, typing away everything that he said. Then... In the year 1917, he woke one morning to a terrible pain in his side, and he had to get rushed in for a a appendicotomy. That word. Come on, y'all are smart people in the house. But you can't spell it. But anyway, he went in for that thing. And the surgery went well, and everybody thought he was good, but then two weeks later... He passed away. And this is his story. Three books, relatively unknown, relatively unread, a spouse that is now a widow with a young four-year-old child, a stack of notes, a school with 25 students that only lasted three years, and a flower bed in Egypt. Have you ever felt this way? Here today, gone Tomorrow. What he doesn't know is that Biddy took all of those notes, and she composed book after book after book. As a matter of fact, she composed 50 books from the notes that she took from this gentleman's speaking. What's the point of all this? Spiritual people take notes. That's the whole point of the story. No, no. She began to take notes after notes, and they produced 50 different books. There was a publishing house that came from this. Uh, one of his most famous books you may know, it is called My Upmost for His Highest. And it bears the name Oswald Chambers. Her name, nowhere to be found. The occasional mark with the initials at the end of some notes. And I read this story and I thought, and Because I've, uh, I've read this devotional for many times through the years, and it's, just, it, it's literally one of the best-selling devotionals of all times. But he never saw it. Oswald never saw it. He died. And I think about all of the other people that died that didn't see it. I think about this thing that we just read in Hebrews 11, all of these dreams and all of these promises from God, but then it tells us, but then they died while the promise was still far off. And they, they didn't get to see it. And I think about Martin Luther King who stood there and said, I have a dream but didn't get to see the fulfillment of it. And I'm just thinking, God, it would have been so good if these people could have seen it. Why didn't they get to see it? And then I read Hebrews 11:13 13 again, and I realized it says this. It says, and they saw it from afar. They saw it while it was still afar off. So they did see it, but it was just still afar off. And as I read this, I realized here in lies a secret. For when your life feels like it's a million miles away from where you want to be, when it feels like all you're doing is planting flowers in the desert, they saw it from afar off. When the world is in chaos and there's racism all over the place, they saw it from the far. When there's a nation inside of you, but you come home to an empty crib, they saw it from afar. See, I think you've got to be able to see it before you can see it. You've got to see the promise before you see the promise. You've got to see your kid's salvation while they're still acting crazy. Come on. You've got to see it before you see it. You've got to see the revival that's coming before you see the revival that's coming. See, we're praying for like it's on its way, but do you see it? Do you see it? You gotta see it from afar, even when you can't see it. When we came back, me and my wife, we got married, and uh, we ended up in Florida for a little bit of a time. The economy collapsed, I had lost my job, and we basically flipped a coin of, should we go to North Carolina or Texas? And we realized we only had enough gas money to get to North Carolina. We couldn't make it to Texas, so we came back here to North Carolina, and we started this church, and one of the things that God put, not in my heart, but in my wife's heart, was for unity in the churches. And I destroyed her dream real quick. I said, babe, you ain't from here. Like, you don't know how it works. It's probably not going to happen. And... Uh, And I think in that moment, God just kind of like, we'll see about that. And over the years, he didn't just change my wife's heart. He changed my heart to where I have this vision of seeing the body of Christ come together in this community, of seeing our brothers and sisters and churches work together in unity. And I've been praying about it. And guys, I got to tell you, I see it from afar. I see it even if you don't see it. I see it coming. I see baby steps happening. It's getting closer and it's closer. And it's been like 15 years of us praying these prayers. And it's been setback over setback over. I thought we were getting better. But God, are you doing something? And I just realized Abraham went home to that empty house every night. But he just what? He believed, God. And God, I just got to believe if this is a promise that you've given us as a church, to be, be a church that's not just for us but for our entire county, to bring other churches together. I've got to believe your word even if it doesn't look like it on the outside. So do whatever you need to do in me and us to make this happen. And the other day I was sitting down and I was having lunch with Pastor Troy from Generations Church, and I've spent the last few years just really trying to connect with local pastors, and just how can we serve you? What do you need? Uh, Help me with these things, just whatever it can can be, and and, and First Baptist, and, and all of these churches, and just trying to build relationships, and we're there, and me and Troy are having lunch, and in the middle of this lunch, this young guy comes up to us, and he begins kind of telling this story that, hey, Hey, Lucas, you know, we we actually moved closer to Southport, and so now we're going to Generations Church. And and I'm like, that's awesome, you know? And we're sitting there. But in this moment, I could see something in his eyes. And there was this kind of thing. He was just like, it's so good to see you two pastors together. Because for him, it was a picture of the unity of the body. For him, it was something of like, ooh, these are the type of churches I want to belong to. Where the, where the pastors can get together and just love each other, and there's no competition. And I could see it in his eyes, and I saw it from afar. I could see it in the next generation, they're not going to tolerate what this generation tolerated. The church of the future will not exist unless we learn to work together. And if you think that that's just like a, a random thing I'm putting out there, go to Pakistan Go to some of these places where persecution has happened. If you don't learn to work together, you don't survive. And so it's going to happen here in America. And, and to be a part of that, to see it from afar. said, Pastor, are you, are you just trying to stir us up? Yes. Yes. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that was in you. I want to stir you up for this promise of unity in the body. That that's why we're building this building. It's part of our vision to see God bringing churches together, to stir you up. But I also want to stir you with a wisdom of what it means when we begin to walk into these things. Because it's a price tag for it. Freedom is never free. There is a high price for it. Jim did such a great job last week of, man, pick up your cross and follow me. And if you don't pick up, man, you, you, if you don't do this, you can't be my disciple, and I don't know. It's something when he read that verse. It was, you can't be my disciple. In other words, it's impossible. It's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus Christ without picking up this cross and following him. And in, this, and in the same breath, we in Hebrews 11 it says it is impossible without faith to please God. Without faith, you you can't please God. It's impossible. Did you catch that word? In other words, it's not pro, not highly unlikely or a possibility that you could please God. No, no, it's impossible without faith. It's impossible. And here's the thing. If you're not equipped, yet we need to be stirred up, but we also need to equip and go into the knowledge of the cost of this. You will give up on it. You'll give up on the dream. You'll give up on the promise while it's still afar, and you'll exchange it for something that's right here and right now. Because times will get tough. And when they get tough, all of a sudden, the thing that's afar off, well, I don't know if that's as good as the thing that's right here and right now. And you will settle for a cheap substitute. And if you don't believe me, that's why you go to McDonald's all the time. It's not that it tastes good. It's that you don't know how to cook. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Settling for some cheap. Substitute a cheap version for the here and the now, and anytime you go cheap, you know you regret it. Your dreams never go on clearance, the promise of God never goes on sale. Okay, you ain't got to do that. <laughs> nope, there's pits, and there's prisons, and there's whips, and there's change, and there's a cross. Your dreams never go on clearance. The promise never goes on sale. Genesis 15 and 5. I want to give you a few things this morning about seeing it and helping you hold on to it so you don't trade it in. It says, God took Abraham out of the tent. He said, look up into the sky. Look into the heavens. Count the stars if you can. This is what your children will be like. And he's simply what He believed. The first thing you've got to do if you're going to make it the long run, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. It's impossible to do it without it. Impossible. This Thanksgiving, I share this story of my complete and utter failure. We have all, I mean, you think you've learned patience until the family comes over. And uh, I've been doing pretty good for a while. But all the family's there, and we've got, I don't know, 18, 20 people in the house. And uh, my wife says, hey, Lucas, we don't have enough chairs at the, the table. We get some more ta- tables, some more chairs, get, get these things ready for all of these people. And to which I told her, I got you, girl. I got you. I got this covered. But I was sitting on the couch, and I was talking to my daughter, and we were in the middle of something I was going to get it done when I finished my conversation with the daughter. To which at this point, she decided, apparently Lucas isn't going to move. So she decided to start asking her mama and other people to start getting chairs. And at that point, I was not like Jesus. And I stood up in front of the whole family. Woman, did I not tell you I would get the chairs? Woman, we've been married for 15-ish, 16 years ish years when in all of these years of our marriage have i never not done what i said i was going to do why can't you just chill and relax and know that i got this and to which she gave me the look (laughs) and to which i said i'm right and then i walked out the room before i embarrassed myself anymore and as I walked out the room, uh, we have a shed behind my house, and I'm walking to the shed, and when you're really mad, you just start talking to yourself, and you start telling yourself how right you are. Yeah, what's wrong with this woman? She just believe me. Just believe her husband. I got this. I'm, like, I'm there, and I'm feeling all arrogant and proud. And at that point, Jesus talks to me. And that's never a good thing. <laughs> God, why are you come in this moment? And to which Jesus speaks to my soul and says, "Hey, Lucas, how about all the times I ask something and then I t- you you ask me of something and I tell you, I got this, and then you run out and try and make it happen? How, how, how about how about Lucas? How about you just learn how to relax in me?" As a matter of fact, Lucas, of all of these years that we've known each other, have, have I never not once done what I said I was going to do? And to which I replied, Jesus, we're talking about Devin. Well, this isn't about me, God. See, see, God, what you don't know, what Devin didn't know is I had chairs in the garage, and if she would have just known and just trust me, I would have had these chairs. that wouldn't have been even been a problem. And said, so, Lucas, what you don't know is I've got some chairs in the garage for you too. See, every time I tell you, and I've got this, and I've got this promise in your hand, you want to run out, and you want to try and make things happen, and you want to do things in your own strength. How far has that gotten you, Lucas? See, I've got some chairs in the garage. If you'll learn just to rest in me, if you'll just learn to live by faith in the one who is faithful. Ecclesiastes 11.1 one says, cast thy bread upon the waters, and after many days it will return. This is a little bit what it's like following Jesus. It just doesn't make sense. Like, cast thy bread upon the water. This doesn't look like a good investment, but after many days it will return. It's the complete opposite of the world's wisdom. Mark Buchanan, in his book, The Rest of God, puts it like this. It's impossible to risk for God until we learn how to rest in God. In other words, God's got this. Even when you come home to a barren wife. Even when you have a promise of nations and it doesn't look like anything's happened. Even when you have a promise of unity. Even when you have a promise of whatever it is for your children, for your children's children, and it doesn't look like it's happening. God's got some chairs that you don't know about. So just trust in him. Step outside, count the stars if you can. And Abraham believed. Faith. The second thing is this. Abraham had to step out. He said, step out, go to the land that I will show you. Get out from this tent. Our faith demands action. Faith is not static. We have to be obedient to the word of God. And this is where it gets really, really difficult. Because on one hand, oh, pastor, you just just gotta rest and believe and trust. And then on the other hand, you've gotta pack a bag and you've gotta leave the country and you've gotta go for a really long camping trip and you've gotta continue to do all this work. Which is it? Here's the thing, faith has logistics. Or to put it the way James put it, faith without works is dead. There's this faith and there's this works, and we got to do something with this faith. I put it another way in the, in, the, in the book of Acts, everybody's like, oh, man, we just want the church to be like the, the church in the book of Acts. Have you read the book of Acts? Like, oh, yeah, those miracles were happening, and people were just trying to touch Peter's shadow. Yeah, but there was problems at the food pantry. Uh, as a matter of fact, people would go in front, and if they'd tell a lie and fall down dead. Like, you don't want the book of Acts. Like, we people dead all over the place this morning, right? Oh, we, we want it. We want all this. No, the fact is we love our sin. The fact is, we, 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 God, we want you to do all this, but we want to hold on to these things too. Sex and money and power, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And here's the thing. Revival doesn't tolerate that. We want the revival to happen. We want all of these things to happen. Man, there's a price. We have to move with it. We have to believe. See, it's a choice. Either God knows best or not. We're either going to believe this word for our life or not. We're either going to believe everything that God said for us or we're going to choose to believe that we know better or society knows better or the government knows better or a friend down the street knows better or YouTube or Facebook. We have more faith in Facebook sometimes. I'm like, are you serious? Either God, we're either just going to believe it or not. It takes us faith. It takes us moving in our faith. And it's, but it's this question of, well, well, how do we do it? Do we rest or do we run? Do we stand? Do we kneel? Do we speak? Do we stay silent? Yep. Yep. See, here's the thing. As we move in faith, the very nature of our faith takes on the very nature of God. And he is the one who was and is and is to come. He was there, and he's here now, and he's there, and, and our faith works the same way. See, so it says this about God. He's, he's never early. He's never late. He's right on time, Amen. which is incredibly frustrating, right? Because it means whenever he shows up is when he's supposed to show up. And I don't know about y'all, but when I talk to God, like, God, you could be early. I mean, you come through a little bit early. Right on time doesn't work for me sometimes, I get stressed out. Some of y'all don't show up until after the first song. Come on, set that alarm five minutes early. You bet good for my soul. Stressed out. I remember the very first time we had a service. It's like five minutes till nobody was. Somebody, Jesus, just somebody. I'm just going to preach to Chris. You need to get saved, Chris. Please, some. And here's the thing that there's no contradiction in him. He could run and be rested all in the same breath. He could be was and is and is to come. You could have this faith of just trust and rest in him and still moving with him all at the same time. There's no contradiction in that. You can believe and go and faith and works all of this coming together. See, here's the thing. And this next statement I'll make, I want to be real clear. This isn't what the Bible says. I want to give you something. This is just a reflection of my own journey that I've seen in the lives of people in the Bible and people that I've known personally. The bigger your dream, the further off it is than you think. The bigger your dream, the further off it is than you think. The bigger the dream, the longer the journey. I look at some of the things and the promises that God said to Abraham and to Joseph and to David and to Moses and to Noah. And build this boat. It's going to take you 100 years. It's going to be, you're going to be an old man, almost dead, but I'm going to give you a whole nation inside of you. All of these things, the time, the, the pits, the prisons, the entire nations being sent as outcasts and overrun. I think about Matt, who was working here this morning, helping baptize people, and it took him seven years to get pregnant. Why did it take so long? Because Matt is no ordinary child. Like you're raising up a world changer. It takes time. Sometimes, sometimes the things that like God is not a microwave God. We serve the God of the crock pot. <laughs> Behold, I come back quickly. It's been like two thousand years. When's dinner? I don't know. It's gonna be another couple hours. Things. See, if you want things to taste good, they gotta cook for a while. See, David had to be out there by himself, forgotten in the field. Joseph had to be in that. I mean, it's part of the process. And if you're going to dream a big dream, it's farther off than you think. Why? Because it's bigger than you think. See, Chambers only saw three books. There was 47 more. That was right there that he had already written and didn't even know it. He'd go on to sell millions of copies, countless lives changed in faith. To see it from afar, you've got to move in faith. You've got to live in faith. And that's another thing that caught me of Hebrews 11. Not that that Abraham just like went out in faith. It says when he got there, he lived there in faith. So in other words, you you could have this thing and be standing on the very ground that God promised you. And he has to live there in faith. It's not just one thing that we could just drop it. No, no, no. Our whole lives. You've got to be married in faith. You've got to raise kids in faith. You've got to have relationships in faith. All of this in faith. Third thing, you have to prepare for it as if it's already happened. See, it says that Abraham grew in wealth and favor and all of this livestock and all of these things were happening to him. He did this not for his own comfort, but because he was preparing. It's going to be my son Isaac and Jacob, and then there's going to be 12, and there's going to be a whole nation. It's going to look like the stars in the sky. Now, we're building this building. It's a huge building. It's like 41,000 square feet or something like that, 40,000 square feet. And I've had some people like, I can't believe the church is doing that. That's just way too big. How much is too much? And I thought that's a really good question. How much is too much? Uh, We've seen people take advantage of things. And and I came up with this. I think it's according to the promise and your faithfulness. It's according to the promise and your faithfulness. Because my prayer is, God, don't give us anything that we can't handle. But if you've given us a big promise, it's going to take some big things to fulfill this. But God, if it takes us away from you, I don't want it. Anything that takes us away from you, Jesus, we don't want it. If it's not for me, I don't want it. But here's the thing, if it is for me, I want every bit of it. Every bit of the promise that you have for me. I wanna take my two and turn it into four, take my four and turn it into eight. Whatever talent you give, I always say like, I'm a two-talent person. I I could tell a pretty good story, and I have this ability to look like a fool and not care. (laughs) Those are the two talents Jesus has given me, and I turned them into four, into eight, into 16. And God, just keep doing it in me. Keep doing it in me. But don't take me any further than anything I can't handle. I want to be faithful. Because I want to hear those words, well done, good, and what? Faithful servant. I need him. I need him to be faithful. Because he's faithful when I'm not. He's faithful. I've been Judas so many times, I can't count. But he sees something in me. My like, God. Even when it's afar off, he sees something in us so much so that he sent his son. He stepped out of heaven into humanity and died the death that was due us. We've got to build it for the next generation. I, I think about David who wanted to build this temple and to which God was very clear with him. Nope, that ain't for you. But God, I want to do this. I'm, I'm living in this good house, and, and God, you're. In the, I, want to, I want to build something for you. I want to build this temple. Nope, that's for your son, though. And then what did David do? He began to prepare the way for the next generation. He began to prepare because there's this dream in my heart, but God's going to use my son to do it. We've got to start thinking beyond ourselves. We've got to start preparing for the next generation. There's a gentleman um, that used to come to this church, uh, I believe his wife is here with us this morning. Um, his name is Robert Capella. And from New York, New Jersey. Well, <clears throat> living the dream of moving down here to the promised land. And he would come. And uh, this was years ago, and we would tell about the projects that we want to do and talk about the, man, we want to have this youth facility, and we're going to do all this. And he'd come up to me and say, Lucas, are we going to do this thing? And there'd be so much excitement in, in his voice. And, and then they started building a house down here, and he'd go back to New York, and, and it was like years. It was years of going through this. And, he, and every time he'd come up to me, and he'd, Lucas, we still on track? We still, I'm like, I'm trying, Robert, I'm trying. I don't know, like God's, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And, uh, and then he got cancer. And he breathed his last breath. And I actually came over to his home uh, just minutes after he breathed his last. And I thought about this verse, about how he saw it from afar. And how we get, I, I think there's actually times where he saw it clearer than I did. And, and, and I, just, I just think about how Man, because he was like, oh, because I just want to sow into that. I want to be part of that. I want to, I want to see this. I want to see this place change. And, and, and I think about what we're doing, and I think about his legacy, about what he did in me and, and, and the vision that he saw. But you know what? He saw it from afar. He saw it from afar. He wanted to invest in something that he couldn't see yet. And that's kingdom thinking. That's kingdom principles. I think about the disciples about how they got so focused on one thing that they would miss it. Even, even resurrected Christ and, and all, well now God, well now will you bring your kingdom? And, and to which Jesus is like, it's not for you to know. See, we all want to know like, right now, this is the way, how's it gonna look? Give it to me right, it's a far off, we want it to look just like this. And Jesus is like, you don't need to know how, you just need to know who. You don't need to know how, you just need to know who. God's saying, I got this, even if it looks like he's still sitting on the couch. He's got some chairs in the garage. There's some things ready. God's got it. You've gotta see it from afar. You've got to look beyond yourself. You've gotta give it away. You've gotta plant some trees that someone else will enjoy the shade one day. And that's what we're doing here at Coastal. That's our dream, that's our hope. It's for a vision for a church that goes beyond us to be a forerunner in this community to see change happen. Last thing I want to give you. If I could have the worship team come up, if everyone to stand to their feet. It says this God looks at Abraham in this moment. Remember that the house is empty. And he says these words Count the stars if you can. Count the stars. It's almost this challenge. Can you do it? And, and I just think about Abraham, night. After night, open skies, going outside, I wonder how far he got in the count. 2,000, 10,000, 100,000. Did he pass the count on to his son? How far did Isaac get? 100,000, 200,000. Did he pass it on to Jacob? How far did Jacob get into the count? Because this promise was not just for him, it was for his sons and his sons, sons and for generations still to come. We are the outworking of a promise that was given to a man a long time ago. When did we stop counting the stars? When did we stop looking to the heavens? When did we stop looking to Jesus and say, God, With you all things are possible, I'm still counting. At what point do we wanna trade in our dreams and our promises and our hope for the convenience of the here and the now and the easily and the tasteless? Because if it's a big dream, that means it goes beyond you. That means even in your whole life, you will not see the fullness of it. It's for your kids and your kids' kids. It's for generations to come. Count the stars. When did you stop counting? What's the promise that God has put in your heart that you've just told Him, God, this is too impossible? I'm too old. I'm too broke. I'm not smart enough. You can never do this. When did you stop counting the stars? You've got to see it from afar. You've got to come home, you've got to be Abraham, and you've got to simply, God, I believe. You're a a God, you've kept your word, you will keep your word, and even if I breathe my last breath and don't see it in my lifetime, I know you're still at work. To the world, this looks futile. To this world, this looks like flowers in the desert. Here today, gone tomorrow, but whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what you need to come alive because what the world needs is people who are alive to be a people that are fully alive in Christ to God. You have so transformed my life that I can't help but talk about your name and your glory. God, you you've so done something in me to just live all this life. I'm gonna live in this by faith because you have started this thing in me and he who began a good work will see it through to the day of Christ Jesus. Because in you we live and breathe and move and have our very being. Father, unto you I commit my spirit. I lay my life in your hands, surrendered. When did we stop counting? the stars because here's the thing no matter what we see the reality of what Hebrews 11 is teaching us the greatest harvest will not be in this life the greatest harvest will be in the life to come he had his eyes set on an eternal city something that this world can't even offer something more. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stop counting the stars because he's a big God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, oh God, we just, (laughs) we love you. You've been so, so good to us. But even just like the person that cried out to you, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We cry out that this morning, God. To be a people of faith, that we live in faith and move in faith and grow in faith. Because without it, it's impossible to please you. If you're in the room this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that you come home. He ain't mad at you. He wants you. My son, my daughter, come home. If that's you and you're in the room, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand real high in the air. Matter of fact, put both hands high in the air where I could see it. I just wanna invite you to this because we're just gonna say a simple prayer to invite Jesus into your life. Is there anyone in the room that you don't know him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna ask everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, God, I surrender. My life is yours. I am yours, you are mine. Fill me, Jesus. I believe, help my unbelief. Amen and amen. Guys, can we get up? We have somebody in the house. Amen, so good. The greatest miracle you'll see right there. Hey, before we leave, let's take a few minutes and let's just worship together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.